This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Joe Livingston, the culture staff writer for The New Republic and the most recent recipient of the Nono Balakian Citation for Excellence in Reviewing from the National Book Critics Circle. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. We should, um, in the interest of time, uh, stop talking about how good a reader you think I am, which I could listen to <laughs> forever, um, and um, spend a little time. I think it, it, it pushes us a little further in the conversation we were beginning to get into in our first letter, which is sort of like, what are the limits of the things that we might be able to expect others to do for us through language? Um, and when we reach those limits, what other things might be possible, um, either in terms of trying to remake our own life or to reorient ourselves to our desires. It's a very, very short letter, um, but I think potentially a, a really fruitful one. So I will read it. It will be over in just a second. The subject is dysphoric, depressed. I'm trans, but my body is working against me. I can't start HRT yet. So how am I supposed to deal with getting misgendered all the time? Sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so kind of torn um, in between wanting to offer like a set of practical tips um, and then also wanting to talk about, you know, what might be some of the drawbacks or limitations of thinking about your life in terms of like, uh, it will only really start once I'm on HRT. And in the meantime, I have to either like tread water or find like a den that I can sort of hole up and hibernate in. And I'm not really sure where I want to start. Do you have a sense of which of those you would like to begin with? I think that, sorry, this may not uh, subscribe to either of the two categories you just Perfect. Presented, yeah, bring us, bring us something else. There's something um, encouraging, I think, at the about the fact that this letter writer has a conception of themselves that really divides into body and self at the moment, right? And that they are not like matching up and this is leading to you know, the, the third existence, the social existence, um, producing further anguish, right? But I think that the first step to towards being okay-ish until you can start taking, the, you, know, the, you know, the big steps that um, you want to take is about knowing that there are different parts of yourself and that it's okay and it doesn't mean that everything has to burn down if they're in conflict with each other and um so i would like to praise the letter writer for that um awareness of their their um, multiple ongoing realities because it can be really difficult to have a body to have a feeling about a body and then uh to just let yourself continue existing without <laughs> causing yourself any further problems yeah. so you know i think the main thing you just got to tr- Try not to let yourself get more hurt than necessary. Yeah, and one of the things that I think I actually appreciate about the brevity of this letter is that it enables us to talk about this more broadly without kind of getting bogged down in the details of, um, you know, here are the practical steps you should take to make sure that you can get HRT within, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, Not that those aren't important things to consider. It's just I, I often... Uh, have a chance to help somebody kind of cultivate like a specific timeline or specific sets when it comes to, you know, acquiring the tools that you want to build the next phase of your life. Um, and I can sort of really just appreciate like 
you know, I, I think there were probably about maybe six to eight months where I had started to think of myself as trans or potentially trans. Um, and before I started HRT, um, because before that, um, whatever else I kind of like might think about differently in hindsight, I don't, I don't believe that I had a really conscious, um, sense of myself as being trans. Um, so it was for me, a relatively shorter period. Um, and part of why Grace sometimes lovingly referred to me as Lord Rapid Onset, which no one else is allowed to call me, but which is very funny. <laughs> she does. I didn't laugh. You didn't hear no. it. No, you're allowed to laugh. You're just not allowed to say it. Um, and I remember, you know, it was an often frustrating time. And I often felt, um, I think, especially frustrated by this sort of like new, raw, sensitive um, reaction to things that had previously felt like neutral or, or even like nothing. Um, and I felt, I think, highly frustrated with my own frustration. So I also felt the sense of like, I used to be more resilient or I used to be more um, like self-confident and this didn't used to bother me. And I hate that it bothers me now. It makes me feel sort of like powerless and like I'm at the mercy of everybody else's perceptions of me. Um, and that 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 kind of relationship to um, powerlessness really, uh, I found really unpleasant, really uncomfortable. It's, as you say... Um difficult to suddenly experience the, or it doesn't have to be sudden, but to experience things that once produced no uh, response in you to suddenly having a, a negative response. And I think that's why I mentioned like hurt or harm in the last, in what I was just saying just before, because that vulnerability that you describe, you know, without wanting to be uh, you know, reductive or rely on titled metaphors about disability and um, ill health to be a metaphor for somebody's gender or their relationship with their body. There is a sense of being without protection of, you know, as if all your skin suddenly flew off, right? Or you were born without an immune system or something, you know, there's the, that there is a... Um, when you feel that the language referring to you and your own conception of yourself, right, like the system is kind of breaking down, you are singularly unprotected, I think. And uh, to know that and to treat yourself as somebody who doesn't have everything that they need right now is sometimes what you have to do in order to prevent yourself from, from being hurt, you know, and because those things, you're not just wait, you're not just in the ante room of the rest of your life. Things can still you can still do things and things can still happen to you. And it's it's not like you're going to forget this part, you know, and one day that you may treasure its memory in some way. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't make any promises, but that would be lovely. Um, I also, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I mean, transition itself, I think is a famously <laughs> a famous roller coaster that um so many people report you know feeling very differently about everything at different stages in the process and so yeah and you know as as somebody who uh has also you know I, I have started HRT um and I have also at various like times in my life um gotten misgendered um, despite having started HRT. So again, not to, not to suggest that this letter writer hasn't taken that into consideration. Um, I, like, I, I realize that they're likely already quite aware of this, but I think one of the other reasons that it's really useful to 
ask this question now is, well, HRT can do a lot of remarkable things. And, and in addition to often making um, a lot of the sort of like external noise of people's reactions to your appearance or your body or your transition um, feel a little bit easier to deal with. It also is, as you probably know, not um, an immediate uh, ticket to getting gendered correctly. Um, so, um, ticket to gender. Been, yeah, it's yeah, it's also the ticket to gender, baby. I've got a ticket to gender. Um, it's also a useful um, question to contemplate, you know, uh, in terms of a lifelong project, um, because there is certainly no guarantee that. You, you can cultivate relationships with people who will like value and, uh, you know, understand your identity regardless of where you may be at in terms of transition. But you'll also likely have to interact with a lot of people who don't know you and who are going to make, you know, uh, momentary, brief, almost instantaneous, often unconscious assumptions about uh, your gender. And it's not always going to be within your power to do much about it. Um, and so that's also a question that I think is helpful to sort of think about once you let go of the idea of like, when I do X, Y, or Z, I can be confident that I will be getting the the right response forever. And sorry, this this makes it sound like I'm accusing the letter writer of trying to be controlling, which I'm not at all. I just mean like, it's something that you can do a number of things about and potentially make significant amounts of headway on, but I can't promise any one individual person considering HRT that they will definitely be able to say like on such and such a date or at such a time, um, I will never get misgendered again. Right, right. There's not lying to yourself and then there's passing, right? Which are completely different types of experience, I guess. Um, There's something about the narrative, I think, uh, commonly used around um, transition, uh, whether, you know, hormone facilitated or not, maybe in the kind of newspaper world about it always, you know, being a process about going from A to B, right? And then going through various, you know, significant surgical moments, which will then, you know, cis people may then respect your reassigned sex, you know, that those, that process is linear when, you know, that it's, it's not, in so many ways it is not, but one of them is that for, you know, for somebody who looks exactly the same as this letter writer, right, may feel that they are in a happy stasis um, rather than at the precipice of a long journey. Um, I don't know. I just, there's always this assumption that you must be moving from a position of lack to a position of fulfillment, which doesn't really reflect what gender how gender is in the world, I think, because it's always changing. Depend Your experience of it is always changing depending on your age, depending on how people look at you, depending on whether the people around you are attracted to you or not, right? It's <laughs> not a fixed aspect about yourself. And it's funny being non-binary, I think that, and obviously I have tons of trans friends um, because I'm cool. I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes people kind of come and meet me in the middle and then keep going. And like, that's fine. And it's also fine if someone like wants to be non-binary for a while, but secretly they want to be, that they think, oh, secretly I want to be something else, but I just don't look like it yet. Right. And of course I I am legally obligated to point out that non-binary and non-transitioning are not synonyms. um, And that there are various forms of biomedical transition that someone might take advantage of for a short time uh, or in kind of like a mishmash, uh, all of which is I'm now done. I've, I've fulfilled my legal obligation. <laughs> no, that, that was really helpful. Thank you. Right. That again, I had presented them as 
two ends of a spectrum. You know what? Forget the spectrum. (laughs) But what I was going to say is that I don't think there's such a thing as um, dishonesty or true stasis or doing it wrong. Um, There is, uh, I think, only the day-to-day and (laughs) making sure that you don't get hurt worse than is absolutely necessary. Is that is that too dark? No, I think it is appropriately dark. Um, and because I don't want this to have only been like a highly speculative or theoretical answer, I would also say to this letter writer, think about relationships that you would like to cultivate, communities that you would like to be a part of, how you might meet more trans people who have developed a variety of ways of dealing with, you know, living in a world. Um, this sometimes doesn't recognize you or is sometimes actively hostile after it recognizes you um, and then borrow as much as you can from what those people have done to like, you know, cultivate beauty, joy, safety, reciprocity, solidarity. Um, be Absolutely. kind to yourself when you feel bad about getting misgendered. Find a way to do something to look after yourself, whatever that might look like. Um, try to at least um, cultivate one or more relationships where you know that you will get reliably um, and correctly gendered, um, even if it's just, um, you know, an over the phone or a remote friendship with somebody um, so that you know that you have a place where you can go and you can like rest secure in the knowledge that you will get what you need there. Those people can also be from the past, right? Or imaginary or only exist in books and be part of your inner world. Like that is also... I think that when you say, you know, like reach outside of yourself for other parts of a culture that might, um, that you might be a part of, like those people, right? It doesn't have to be in person. It doesn't even have to be with a real person, (laughs) but it is about seeing yourself in relation to other people. I think that 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 is just tremendously therapeutic in itself. And, you know, I I think it is something that, um, you know, the longer you spend being like, trans in relation with other people. Again, that doesn't necessarily need to be tagged to when you start HRT or if you start HRT, but the more of that that kind of composes the bulk of your life, it'll be sort of the difference between unpleasant or like undelightful moments of being misgendered, but that don't sort of make up the bulk of your interactions with the world um, versus the sort of feeling of like, gosh, every or almost every interaction that I have with other people feels like um, an event, um, and exhausting and painful. Um, so it's also about trying to try to like match those encounters with other supportive encounters so that at the very least, it's just taking up less space, even if you can't necessarily control how it happens. You know, I started HRT back in 2018. So coming up on four years, I think, and I still, you know, get misgendered over the phone 99 times out of a hundred. I don't love that. Um, it is not something that has gotten more fun with time. Um, I would like to change it more if I could. The only thing that I have noticed is that as other areas of my life have become more like conspicuously full of trans people and as other areas of my life have come within like a greater, a greater degree of my own remit, if that's an expression, um, while they don't get better, they do make up less moments of my life. So I guess part of that is also then my answer is like, sometimes I don't always know how to deal with it. Sometimes I just feel bad and then something else happens afterwards. Like I still also do not like it myself. I don't have a great solution in those moments where I'm like, and now I will like 
do something different and get over it. Um, it's more just like, yes, I also hate this. Right. You don't need to go and imbibe one, one, uh, you know, unit of LBGTQ representation on television to fix, you know, what, like what happens in real life. Like there is this, I don't know, sense that I think that there's this ambient sense in the culture that like the broader, um, like broader awareness of like social justice issues and, you know, about gender discrimination that, uh, there is some kind of, there is some kind of what version of the world which would be where everything is beautiful, right? And that we are all our true selves, and and, and nobody is ever harmed by language, and uh, nobody is ever deferring their existence to a hypothetical future date, or you know, or a planned future date. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not the the world that we live in. Like we're just creatures who live in the suspended, you know, the deferred future. At least I think so. I don't know. The person who can truly live day to day is doing well. Yeah, I think that sort of helps me find my last thought, which is that I think it can be really useful to consider other interventions in addition to um, or simply irrespective of HRT that might interest you. Not necessarily every like in the moment reaction, by which I, I mean like it is interesting to consider whether or not you are interested in pursuing something like voice training or um, changing your wardrobe or changing your hair, not in the sense of if I do this, then I believe I will stop getting misgendered because that can pretty quickly feel, um, I think that's a lot of pressure to put on any other like potential social intervention or active transition um, that it either needs to like pass or fail the test of getting you to pass. So I would just encourage you letter writer to think about any of those other questions um, at like a, a broader scale than just like, I got misgendered over the phone. I'd better start voice training tonight. But then if I get misgendered over the phone again tomorrow, I'm going to feel like it's not, you know, like there's no point to it and worse about myself. And then I will give up and have it kind of like dash me back and forth in these two sort of painful extremes. Um, so I would just say, again, like think about other possible like avenues or interventions that might interest you or potentially hold some appeal as, you know, ongoing processes that, don't necessarily guarantee perfect, consistent, life-changing results, but that may still be worth investigation or consideration or deciding whether or not they're for you. Um, That's it. That's my last thought. That's all I have. I'm done thinking. And so what I will do instead of thinking any further is read an update from a recent listener. This is an update from the Insufferable Vegan Sister letter. I took your advice and started giving her nothing, conversationally speaking. Turns out this was deeply satisfying. However, our father recently had a serious stroke and is now in hospice care. During this crisis, as we were all trying not to crumble, she continually tried to pick this fight with me again. I continued to give her nothing. I came to realize that this boom bust pattern isn't an accident. She's always provoked me like this so that I explode and she can feel like the smarter, calmer, better one. It felt so crystal clear to me. And I realized that if I never saw her again, I wouldn't miss her. Well, I told her that if she can't respect my boundaries, I'd rather we just not talk. She said something awful about how I'm a hypocrite and it's been blissfully silent ever since. All this is to say, your advice helped me to see the situation more clearly and understand what I wanted to do. I feel more at peace than I have in a long time, at least in regards to this relationship. Obviously, I'm a mess over my dad. 
<laughs> Joe, I'm so glad that we got a little like gasp of shock because I'm was so also sorry. Like, Can you edit it out? That's all. No, it was perfect. I want to keep it. Letter writer, thank you so much for this. I love this update. Um, I'm so sorry also about your father. And I realized that like really strange feeling of like things are quite bad, but I have this weird gift of clarity that makes me feel like I'm standing in the middle of a storm perfectly still. But at times. Um, yeah, I, I'm both sorry that, you know, this pattern has been so awful, um, but it's it's also really great when you are able to realize this actually is not a relationship that means anything to me. I've just sort of been letting the specter of, but you are supposed to love your sister, um, hold, hold me back from making like a really nice change. Yeah, I'm so happy for this person. Yeah, this is great. I hope you never have to yell at your sister ever again. And she can start exploding at you if she wants. And you can just be like, I don't want to listen to you yell at me. I'm hanging up. Uh, And then enjoy your blissful silence. And I also hope that your um, father is getting great care and that you're able to spend a lot of time together. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.